everyone. This is Alan Bolio, president of ITR Economics, and I'm happy to be able to answer your questions from our New York City Tri-State webinar. Thank you for being a part of that, and I thank you for your questions. That was really uh, encouraging, nice of you, appreciated that you took the time to send in your questions. I'm gonna do my best to answer them. I cannot answer them all, but I'll let you know the ones that I cannot answer so you won't think I just uh, skipped over what was on your mind. Uh, the first one that came in was um, interesting, I guess would be the way that I put it. Uh, and, and I think uh, it's not so much a question as a political slash social statement. It was a comment about how, uh, because uh, it was dissing the New York Times and its accuracy. And uh, it seems like the, the uh, statement was out of touch, not relevant. Uh, those were the words that were used. And so I just want to comment on that. And I know what it is in relation to is on relation to some of the county information for COVID deaths. And I do understand the skepticism, but we have found that their data on this issue has uh, been good and that it tracks with the COVID project and it tracks uh, with CDC information and European CDC information. We're not seeing anything really strange in their data. So I understand your social political concern and, and I get your point of view, whether I agree with it or not is, is uh, I, I'm going to be very neutral on, but I do understand it. Uh, but it is what it is <coughs> in terms of, excuse me, available data. And I don't have any other source that provided that county data. Uh, I'm sorry uh, if it was a disappointing source to you. It's not um, unusual that uh, People wonder about the times as we look into the into the business world, but in this case, I don't think you have a lot to be concerned about. Uh, second, uh, Vistage members, and I, and I think the question really meant do not, but it says Vistage members are owners of small and mid-sized businesses. Many of us do have unlimited resources to capital. I'm pretty sure that meant do not have unlimited resources to capital, but I really wish it was the other way around. And the question is, do I expect any extra funding for places hurt more by the pandemic? Uh, that's kind of a nod to the fact that smaller states that weren't hit as bad seem to have gotten just disproportionate amount of, of aid. I haven't researched that to seem that it's true. But the answer is yes, I expect extra funding because the Federal Reserve Board has said uh, there is no limit and Congress is uh, ready, willing, and I assume able to pass additional legislation as needed. They have said they are. Uh, and, and you know they're not always on the same page as to how fast, but they're both. Uh, both parties are saying that if needed, they will. So I would suspect that the answer to your question is a yes, given the uh, political world and what they are saying. Next question: Third, do I think that developing a COVID nineteen vaccine will have a significant impact on stimulus uh, for retail slash restaurant slash hospitality industries? Uh, significant is the tough word there because that's very subjective. Um, I'm going to say yes, it'll have an impact. And I'll even go so far as to say yes, I think it'll be noticeable. It certainly uh, will be positive. Uh, significant is in the eyes of the beholder. Will it return you immediately to where you were pre-COVID-19? Uh, no, I don't think you're going to return immediately. So if that's what you meant by significant, I would have to say no. Will it put you on the path where eventually you will? I would have to say yes. I haven't seen a lot of surveys on how many people will take the vaccine. The one survey that I have seen, and it's only one, so it's a horrible thing to say, and to even quote shows that uh, 
uh, about 50% of the population is unsure whether they even want the vaccine. Uh, that may be a competence issue. Next question is, what's the leading indicator for another stock market crash? Well, our ITR financial leading indicator certainly helps with that, and that's in the ITR trends report uh, and the financial sector, uh, financial section, I should say. Price to profits help, and I believe I showed that in the webinar when prices are way above where the profit line is. Sooner or later, there's a, a, a correction of some kind that will happen, but there's nothing that I know of that will help you plan the month or that will help you plan even the quarter for that actual drop. So that's probably a disappointing answer, but if you watch our ITR uh, financial lean indicator, that 12-12 turn in the stock market uh, will serve as a confirming indicator to what is already happening in the monthly data trend. And you can use it that way. Uh, next, adding to the COVID-19 effect on the economy, what effect do you believe the recent civil unrest will further uh, affect the economy? Specifically, international tourism will be at record lows this summer. There's absolute fear to visit the US, my thoughts. Uh, my thought is that uh, International tourism this summer was not going to happen anyway. I mean, most people do not want to travel internationally. Our own State Department is really discouraging people from traveling internationally. I think uh, international tourism this summer was not a happening thing anyway. Uh, I think more uh, the question is going to turn into what will happen with domestic uh, tourism to troubled cities. And that's certainly going to be a function of how long does this last in terms of the uh, uh, civil unrest uh, that was mentioned. And, and the, to the extent that there is violent or nonviolent civil unrest, nobody really wants to be a, a part of it. I was just having dinner with a, a, my wife and I with a, a, two couples last night, and one of them were saying they were in New York City. It looked like an abandoned city. Uh, they were just doing it to ride their bikes. And all of a sudden, all the police came out of nowhere in extreme force and said, you need to go that way, and you need to go that way fast. Uh, that kind of thing certainly does discourage tourism. And uh, right or wrong doesn't really matter. I think those cities that are in turmoil are going to find that tourism, which is important to those cities, is likely to be hurt internationally through the summer, no question, and domestically in the summer, depending on the news and how long the civil unrest lasts. If it passes, then we're going to see some slow recovery in those cities, I think, uh, later in the summer and into the fall. That's not an ITR forecast. I've not studied tourism inside cities, but it's just a logical extension of thought. Uh, the next question is one that I really don't understand, and I'll say that uh, before I read the question. It says, every, and it's not a question, it's a statement, uh, so I'm not sure that it, it, how to respond. It says, everything was uh, completely opposite three months ago, so how do we know what is real or not? Um, I, I, I don't know how to answer that except you know, use trusted sources. I do understand the basis for the question there. Yes, there was the before, as uh, we like to call it in my family, uh, before all this happened and time seems to have shifted and the world seems to have tilted on its axis in the today and the now, but there will be a tomorrow. How do you know what's real or not is again, trusted sources, look around, explore for yourself. Uh, I always look at a variety of sources. I look at, conservative, I look at liberal, I look for those that I think are be more towards the middle. I read lots of different things and form my own conclusions, but more than anything, I, I look to data and data from just one source can be troubling. You try to look for trusted data sources. And if you have trusted data sources, um, then you kind of know what's real and what's not. 
hope that helps you. Uh, that's not a fun way to live, not knowing what's real and what's not. Uh, next question is, aside from a significant uh, second wave of COVID, what are the two or three biggest risks that threaten to disrupt the optimism of uh, ITR's projections for the remainder of 2020 and into 21? Uh, interesting question in that um, we, we do think of those things around here. What are the risks to the forecast? And you hit the biggest one, the second, a second wave of significant proportion that state governments uh, shut down economies again is certainly the biggest. Uh, after that would be, uh, if the pop, in my mind, this is not an ITRism, this is in my mind, is if the general population hangs on to fear, even when the cause for that fear is fading or has faded, uh, because either the social media or the news won't, won't let it go. I'll give you a for instance on that, and it's only a for instance, is that yesterday Bloomberg had a headline item about uh, second wave and surge and listed four states. Well, and, and then below that, there was a, a, a second line said, but experts are not sure it's tied to opening of those states. But you know how many people don't bother with the second headline, let alone read the article? And I read the article and you still have to get down below the third paragraph, I think it was, before you get into what other experts think. If we, if we keep getting pounded that way with information, uh, then I think that can perpetuate the fear, even though the fear, the cause is actually fading or has faded. Now, I'm not saying that that is not the beginning of surge, by the way, in Arizona and Texas and California, I forget the other state, but it's too early to call it that. The numbers of cases are up a little bit, uh, but that is not to say that it is a second wave. Everybody and their brother expected that with the opening of the economy, there would be some increase. The question is how much? Next question, uh, how, are, how am I considering a potentially chaotic election into our forecast or have you? Uh, there again, it's the word chaotic that's really the issue. If it's uh, non-chaotic, then it's not part of the forecast thinking that peaceful transfers of power between parties or within parties does not change the track of the economy. History shows that. And whether there's a uh, a change to Democrat versus the Republican administration we have now will not change our forecast because our studies show uh, that the economy grows at the same speed under Democrats as it does under Republicans. That's the statistical reality. We, uh, we have proven that. We'll have more on that in our fourth book, which is coming out. But that's just the way that life is. Now, if it's chaotic, it has to be on a large scale after the election, and that will change the forecast. And large scale means massive tax hikes. It means a draconian and dramatic Green New Deal that just disrupts everything. That means uh, you know, something that will impact the capital markets and people's willingness to invest uh, if all of a sudden capital gains tax are, are troubled, you know, that type of thing. It, it, that's the type of thing that can change the forecast. But just a change in, in party and a messy election, that does not. Now, one could argue that the last election was messy, but we were already on the backside, already on the upswing, by the way, uh, before the last presidential election. GDP was already increasing and on the way up. Uh, the lead indicators had been up for months before the election, and that was still somewhat of a, you know, what is going on here, a lot of uh, rancor in that election. Uh, it's been the same through uh, modern times. So don't worry about the chaotic part of it. Do we still predict a major depression in the 2030s? 
yes, we do, as a matter of fact. Um, and, and if so, what can we do to prepare? That's a really large question uh, that would take a separate uh, podcast to answer. Let me just uh, let you know that we have a July webinar that will answer a lot of that, uh, but probably easiest of all and, and uh, is to two things. We, we wrote a book on this, it's called Prosperity in the Age of Decline. And the other thing is to go to our website, look in the library for the June 2019 webinar that Brian and I did. It's all on the Great Depression, what you should do to prepare. Nothing's changed in terms of what to do to prepare. There are some significant steps based upon your age, and I don't know the age of the, question, of the person asking the question. If you're in your 30s, it's a different answer than I would give you if you're in your 60s, uh, which also makes it very difficult to answer. You will be able to make a lot of money. You will be able to be prepared. You will be able to be protected in a downturn uh, just by knowing that it's coming and being aware of the signs that it is coming. Uh, Next question is, uh, what is our outlook on apparel retailers? I don't have a forecast per se on apparel retailers, retail sales of apparel, uh, but it is one of recovery. Brick and mortar is not dead. Uh, expect continued pressure from online sales, but you had that before COVID. It's certainly there was a lot of that during COVID, but I maintain that people are social beings. So we're going to want to go out to brick and mortar, but you have to be relevant. And the lesson from J.C. Penney here uh, and Macy's difficulties before this and probably after is relevancy. Uh, if you're aiming towards boomers, your market isn't going to be there. You have to have a retail experience that is aimed towards young Gen Xers and millennials and Zs. If you don't specifically market to those, it doesn't matter uh, whether you're online or whether you're brick and mortar. You're not going to sell things because that's the buying public of today and tomorrow. So you'll be in recovery if you do it the right way. And I know that's a horrible answer, but it's a marketing issue at that point, not an economic one. The economics will be on your side. Uh, next question is, what do I expect consumer service businesses in New York City? I would suspect that you'll see a rise beginning later this year and in 2021 as the city begins to uh, stir and come back and all the rest of that. But I don't forecast New York City or any city specifically in terms of their economic activity. So in terms of generalities, I would say, yes, sure, things should be getting better late this year and in 2021, but I would encourage you to use your own rates of change. We talked about that during the webinar. Develop your rates of change and, and, and compare it to what's going on in, in city indicators and macro indicators, and then the answer is discernible. I, I believe I mentioned at the end of our webinar, the, the data cast trial. If not, go to our website and you'll find that you can use a product called DataCast for free for two weeks. Load in your data. You'll be able to see if you relate to macroeconomic trends. If you relate to GDP, you have the answer to your question. If you, if you relate to industrial production or retail sales, probably retail sales. In this case, you want to uh, have an answer to your question. That's it. So, uh, you know, you'll be able to get an answer by seeing what your numbers are doing because what consumer services you are also will impact uh, the answer to that question. What is our forecast for commercial real estate, especially hotels and hospitality venues? Well, construction is going, is going to be going down in the second half of the year. I think that's uh, something that we can just expect as we, as we go forward. We're going to find that there are occupancy problems. Uh, there will be some really significant uh, cash flow pressures on small and large companies alike. 
normally in an economic downturn, you find the major stepping in and doing a lot of renovation. Uh, they're using a lot of cash and they're, they're spending a lot of money while they have a lot of occupancy to, to make the place better. I'm not sure you're going to see that this time around. I haven't read or heard anything about it, but it's just that the large and small people are worried about cash. They're worried about the future. And even the big guys don't tend to spend hundreds of millions of dollars if they're not sure what uh, next year is going to look like. I think when their finances have recovered, uh, their cash flow is what I mean by that, not their stock valuation. I think you're going to find that's when uh, some spending is going to be, uh, is going to occur in those areas. But with occupancy problems, it's not hard to imagine there'll be some valuations that decline, construction is going to be down, renovations may be delayed. Uh, did you comment earlier that death by despair during the shutdown was equal to deaths from COVID itself? Uh, no, I didn't say they were equal, but I said that it was significant. And uh, while there are no hard numbers yet, so that's why it's a hard no, I did not, uh, if I did say it, it was a mistake. Uh, no, but the estimates are very interesting in that the median of the estimates that are out there, from what I've read, is 75,000 deaths. Uh, from deaths from despair. That's that's a big number, my friends. And the upper end of the range so far is 150,000, which certainly pushes it, uh, you know, in COVID and a little beyond. Uh, the chief medical official for the country uh, came out and said, you know, if, if imagine hospitals were swamped by this. And she said, our mental health institutions in this country are not anywhere geared up for, for what we have today, let alone in a COVID world and everything that COVID is bringing about. You think the hospitals are swamped. Mental health uh, folks are, are swamped beyond measure and there's no money going to help them. And she was pleading, uh, pleading's my word, not hers, uh, please, no second shutdown. The, the shutdown has such a negative impact on a large part of the population. Uh, and there are certainly is an increase in the deaths of despair. We won't know until we look in the rearview mirror how big those deaths of despair, how large that will be. Any thoughts on advertising, marketing industry? Uh, yes, it's a very cyclical industry. And uh, that 12-12 rate of change, 3-12 rate of change will move like you saw for uh, GDP to a large extent. So later this year, expect some rate of change improvement on a 3-12 basis uh, and expect some upside movement in dollars in 2021. There again, take your rate of change, compare it to uh, the NAICS code for advertising, which I don't happen to remember, but it's available online. Or again, use Datacast and, and, and see what you relate to. But you'll see it's very cyclical and you're, you should be safe using the GDP forecast. Your particular company may be different. What are, are my expectations for growth online due to life after COVID going forward? Well, it's going to continue to move up. Um, but I think you meant more than that. I think you meant, uh, you know, is it going to be a much steeper slope? Well, I think it's going to be a, a steeper slope, but not so steep that it obviates the brick and mortar, as we've already talked about. I think you're going to find that a lot of people who were not comfortable with online before, who had never used it before, got introduced to it, see how easy it is, and uh, will find that it is very convenient for them. Next, are we seeing trends in onshoring and or taking greater control of supply chains? The answer is yes in various industries. Uh, and uh, we believe that's a trend that will continue as we go forward. Am I worried about the escalation of the trade war during the election season? Worried? Uh, no, I don't worry about that, but I do expect it. And as I expect it, 
uh, it's because President Xi uh, also needs to appear powerful. And uh, while he faces no election, he does face a population uh, that is very large and expects a lot out of him. This is uh, between the two presidents, not a great combination, our election year and, and his need to appear powerful globally and locally, not a great combination for less tension, which to answer a question that comes later, that is certainly problematic for exporters. It's also problematic for importers, by the way. Uh, the amount of exports out of the United States is important GDP. It, uh, just of goods, it's 7% of our GDP. So if it is diminished because of trade war or trade tensions with China or any other nation, but China is obviously a very large partner, uh, not our largest destination for exported goods, but one that's always in the news more than the others, um, that will have a dinging effect, a, a, a decelerating rate of rise effect on, on GDP should the tensions worsen. And for people working in ports from LA to Seattle and, and on both coasts, coasts uh, certainly that means less goods coming in, which is uh, dings at the very least the, in, the economies of those cities and creates problems for people employed and, and for businesses. Uh, I do think it'll, we'll see some increase in that, but I do not know the extent because I've not been invited to participate in those conversations. Uh, can I please share my take on the multifamily real estate uh, space? Uh, sure, construction is down, permits are tough to get, labor is something of an issue. Uh, low interest rates are also suggested that there'll be more home buying next year. And as jobs come back and the economy begins to stir, I think banks will have relaxed their standards so that there will be more home buying next year. So I'm not seeing a surge in uh, rental occupancy. Uh, having said that, if you're in a city where there is a lot of uh, rentals and where you have a population that is given to rentals, uh, it can be a nice long-term play, at least through this decade. If you wanna hold it in the Great Depression, uh, that's another issue because your vacancy rates are likely to go up and people not paying their rents likely to go up. But for the next decade, uh, I think it would be a nice space to be in. Um, in a tough multi-family uh, market, you can find some pretty good pricing at low interest rates, although it's not like residential, as you know, it's a commercial rate, uh, but it's worth looking into. Will it be necessary ultimately for Congress to do fiscal stimulus like shovel ready and infrastructure to get jobs turned around versus the liquidity in current congressional and Fed actions? Actually, that what's going on currently is better for job turnaround than infrastructure uh, spending. Infrastructure helps a segment of the population, construction workers, and before this, construction workers had no problems getting a job. Uh, it was tough to get the qualified labor. Now people have lost their jobs in construction, but as in 21, some commercial construction picks up, and as in, uh, we talked about residential picks up, uh, construction jobs are gonna come back at a, at a decent pace. I think what you're going to find is that infrastructure uh, bills will get passed by the Congress, uh, and that will put some money into the economy. Now, I'm hesitating because you called it shovel-ready. Uh, the last couple of go-arounds, there's no such thing as a shovel-ready project. Uh, there's studies that need to be done. If the studies are done, then it still needs the scrutiny, uh, an application of the state to the federal government. Federal government's got to scrutinize it. Then it's got to be uh, issued to the states, and then the states have to get around to spending it. You know how many months I just talked about? Uh, so really, it's, it all takes time, is my point there. Uh, the bill that is in Congress today calling for an infrastructure spend is right around 
$500 billion to be spent over five years. If you're going to spend, I believe it's five years, could be four years, but no, let's call it five. That's $100 billion a year. That's a lot of money in anybody's book, but it's uh, spread out over everything from the electrical grid to satellites to bridges to roads to uh, pipes. Uh, it's not concentrated in any one place. And $100 billion a year in a $20 trillion economy uh, is, is not going to do more than just kind of touch that needle in the upward direction. For companies looking to sell, for the next question, when do I suspect the next prime opportunity will be to put your company on the market? Uh, the answer is a short one, 2024 or 2025, somewhere's in there, depending on your place in the business cycle. Again, you must know your rates of change. You must know where your market's at. I gave you a macro answer based on you fitting into the general economic environment. You could be acyclical, you could be countercyclical, and I could have just given you horrible advice. You need to know what your rates of change are telling you as far as how you fit into the economy. As far as a good economy to sell into, if you're related to the economy, I'll stick with 24 or 25. Any advice on what indicators to follow if your main business is spent on office space movement slash shift slash growth? Well, uh, yeah, you're gonna look at the employment trends in office jobs, uh, service professionals, engineers, and, and uh, that sort of thing. I mean, all that's available from the Census Bureau and you can get that. We also have it uh, available and you can use that through Datacast as well. Uh, so you're going to pay close attention to those. There's also a source, and I don't remember the name, or else I'd be happy to share it with you. Uh, send me an email and I'll, and I'll dig up the name where you can actually get city information on employment trends in different fields. We don't use it anymore, uh, but I'd be happy to dig up the name so that you can have it. And that will uh, obviously help you as you try to um, do business in that space, no pun intended. Uh, of course, the big thing you're gonna have to watch is the work from home movement. The work from home movement is a huge deal and uh, somewhere around 5%, 4% work from home now. If that number jumps to 15%, that's a lot of people that aren't gonna be in offices anymore. And if we are in a new world where we're gonna have social distancing as a way of life for years, that's going to obviously have an impact on your office space requirements and what you're going to have to provide. So you're going to have to watch those two trends closely in the next few months. I know it's not satisfying to not have an immediate answer, but work from home is going to take time to, uh, to, for a trend, significant trend or not to develop and to see whether uh, social distancing becomes a requirement that lasts uh, for more than the near term. Uh, the midterm and long-term impact on retail stores, I feel like we, we touched upon that. Uh, continue pressure to change. Uh, that's not going to end. Um, my, you know, my first job uh, ever as a, as a uh, teenager was at F.W. Woolworth. They were the retailing giant of the year. How many of you, of the year, of the decades, how many of you remember F.W. Woolworth? Uh, and then after that, uh, what do we have? We had Montgomery Ward, and, and they failed. And then it, and all along and through there, starting with a catalog, which was the online of the day, by the way, we had Sears. And most of us on this, listening to my voice, will remember Sears. Uh, but you know, there's a lot of millennials that go, what? And there'll be Zs that go, who are they? Uh, it's all about the, the relevancy of the, the deal. It's the relevancy of the experience that's going to determine uh, the long-term impact on retail sales. If you're relevant, you'll find there's business for you, uh, but you have to remain relevant. 
And uh, how do we forecast the remainder of the 2020s is the next question, evolving uh, given uh, head between now and the Great Depression is the essence of the question. And the next few years we talked about, 21's up, uh, 22, second half of the year, expect the economy to slow down some into 23. Later in 23, it picks up speed, 24 and 25. I just told you, look good for a sell, good, strong part of the economy. Uh, maybe phase C later in 25, it's too early to tell for sure. Second half, you're going to expect some inflationary pressures. You're going to expect uh, just mild downturns in the economy if they occur. We'll know more as we get closer. Uh, you'll make money. You're going to find that inflation helps your bottom line. If you're careful with your costs, you'll be able to raise prices, hold costs if you do it right so that you increase your EBITDA. And you're going to find that you personally uh, can make money in that time period. Interest rates likely to go up along with inflation in the second half of the decade. It'll be, in essence, a return to the late 70s without quite the same upward push on uh, inflation and on interest rates. But... Uh, it's a good playbook to go back to if your company's old enough. Next is how do I think the oil industry will impact the plastics industry, uh, given that oil is used as a raw material for plastics? Do I think oil will become unavailable? No, I, I do not think oil will become unavailable. It certainly will remain available. We are still the world's largest producer of oil and natural gas. Uh, prices may edge up higher in 2021, I suspect they will, which will increase the raw material cost for the plastics industry, but you're not going to be without raw material. Uh, that's been one of the sea changes in, in the last decade where we've gone, well, if you're old enough, you remember the 70s where we, we were held by the neck by OPEC. If they denied us oil, the, the economy felt extreme pain to where we felt some pain because we had a major play in part against the United States by Russia. Uh, the Russia-Saudi Arabia thing with the flooding of oil into the world market, prices crashing, and what that did to Texas and Oklahoma and some other oil producers, the fear that it brought to a number of companies. All that was going on, but there was never a question that oil wasn't going to flow and that there would not be enough oil in the United States. You know, with uh, and with alternative forms of energy, and that's an important statement, with alternative forms of energy, the United States is uh, oil independent. Now, we, we, need, we don't produce all the oil we need because we have light, sweet crude, and not all that we need is, uh, is produced here because we need some sour, heavy stuff that comes from other places. But if you just look at the energy that is uh, produced here versus the energy that is consumed here, uh, we are, in essence, an oil independent nation. Hoorah, I say. Talk about a good thing for the future. All right, do I see food retail going on, in particular premium price natural organic, as people start to migrate back into, uh, and out, uh, into the world, I suppose, out of home eating? Will demand be strong in, uh, for the future? That's definitely a marketing question, my friend. I have no idea what is going on now in premium price natural organic food. I can tell you what I think is going to happen. I have no hard data on that. Uh, and I, so I, I want to make sure you understand I have no hard data, but I suspect uh, because of what's going on now, it's going on in past recessions. What we're going to find is that as incomes rise and, and stability returns and uh, DPI rises some in the future, so will your sales of a premium price natural organic uh, products. Um, but, uh, you know, that's, that's along with prosperity, I suppose, would, is a way to say it would come some measure of increased activity, but definitely that's a marketing question as we go forward. 
what is the, my opinion of the future of New York City? This is probably the toughest question. Every day we're hearing stories of people exiting New York City for the suburbs and the South. What factors should we follow to indicate? Well, uh, I've seen absolutely no data on any kind of exodus, mass exodus, I should say, from New York City or any other city. And it's way too early for those numbers to have been collected uh, and, and way too early for uh, opinions to be backed up with fact. There are lots of opinions saying that's exactly what's going to happen. We're going to see people leaving cities to go to safer places where there's social distancing and where you don't have that communal living. Uh, my answer to that may be unsatisfying, but here we go. Uh, I listened to a uh, Zuckerberg, Mark Zuckerberg uh, webinar, not quite through it yet, uh, podcast, whatever it was. And as I'm listening to it, he did say a lot of his people want to work remote and he gave the statistic. And then they surveyed those, where do you want to live? And a number of them wanted to leave the country, I suppose, to, to experience life elsewhere or to go back to family, whatever the case may be. Uh, and some of them did want to go into the suburban and country life, uh, but a large number of them just wanted to move to another city, which to me reaffirmed my thinking that people who live in cities like living in cities, a large number of them. So to, it's, you have to answer the question, those people living in New York City, if they like living there, then they're likely to stay there. If they don't like living there, now they have a reason to move to New Hampshire. And I say New Hampshire because that's where we are. And I checked with a realtor friend last night and the realtor friend said, uh, they're not seeing a lot of that. Every once in a while you see somebody, you know, getting a second home here as a, as a recluse, as a way to uh, hide out if this should happen again, or if, if even if global warming makes the South a, a, a very uncomfortable place to live. Uh, but there, there's no numerical data to support that yet. How are you going to know when it's going to happen? Same uh, data as before, which I can't remember the name of. Uh, so if you send me an email, I'll dig up. Just ask me about the city data and uh, on, on people, and that'll be enough to trigger me, and I will answer your question. Uh, what long impact will occur as a result of increased government spending from states that already had significant budget deficit problems before COVID? Well, that's a... That's a that's a disturbing question because there's no good answer there. Uh, one possible outcome is higher taxes in the future because uh, that there has to be a source of funding. They cannot print money. Uh, another, and, and by the way, that would be on you, businesses and high-income people. It would be on Vistage members and on Vistage-type businesses, more than likely, and, and larger businesses as well. But Vistage companies do well. Uh, that's part of a function of being in Vistage. And so you could expect some of that pressure upon you. Uh, another possibility is federal bailouts. If there are federal bailouts of those states and there's tax that will be applied, perhaps nationally to bail out states that are weak, like Illinois. Let's pick on Illinois for a moment. That could breed some resentment as it did in Europe when it came to bailing out Greece, but uh, nevertheless, that is a mechanism that could ensue or the federal government could just print money, uh, which is not a, a altogether a great plan. The other thing that they could do is just renege on obligations. Uh, they could just uh, change their, their plan for people who are counting on their retirement through the state, who are looking at health plans through the state, and they could lower a cost by just flat out changing the deal. No way of knowing for sure, but nothing I just said is a happy ending uh, for overspending before, after, and during uh, COVID. 
Do I see drastic changes in non-essential fashion retail purchases? Uh, drastic, no, but again, the relevancy is a must. Uh, and, and I'm the type of guy, I don't really understand what non-essential fashion retail purchases means other than uh, it has to do with looking nice and you don't have to do it. Uh, that means that your marketing is certainly a must and you have to convince me that I have to do it or you're appealing to a part of the population that believes they have to do it, uh, one or the other. That really is a marketing thing. If you're good at marketing, you'll probably be fine. Uh, it said, uh, this question was nice. It said, I touched a great point earlier about the hospitality industry and that it will come back. And this uh, person owns a transportation company and uh, went on to express concern about uh, 2020 and asked if I believe that there's hope in 2020 or do, you just, do we just ride this year out and look towards 21 as the year will be uh, one of recovery. And it is B. I mean, you may see some uh, pick up in activity later this year, but really what you're going to do is just hang in there till 2021. I just spoke to a group of folks in your industry, as a matter of fact, and a lot of it depends on where you are. And uh, th given the tri-state area that you are in, I would suggest the answer for you is going to be hang in there. You'll begin to pick up some. You'll see some increase in cash flow. But if you have a heavy uh, cash need for whatever the need is, it could be a tough year. How is all of the debt due to this pandemic going to be paid back? What on earth makes you think it'll be paid back? <laughs> uh, it may be paid back, or it may just be uh, uh, modern monetary theory will be the rule of the day. We won't worry about paying it back, in which case it feeds into the Great Depression scenario of the 2030s, and it becomes a problem of Gen Xers for a very little time, and it becomes a millennial problem. We'll have passed this all off onto the backs of millennials, and Z's will be complaining about them. Uh, we're going to see inflation later this decade, which will allow the government to have an increased cash flow of inflated dollars. So they can take inflated dollars, which there are more of, and if they're disciplined, boy, isn't that a big statement? If they're disciplined, they could use it to start paying down some of the debt. There's an interesting solution called a one cent solution. You can Google that, but it takes a lot of political discipline, which I'm not sure is there. And the other answer is, of course, higher taxes, which nobody's talking about yet, but that doesn't mean it won't happen sometime in the future. Two questions on cryptocurrency. Uh, is, it, is it going to affect the financial world over the short and long term? Well, I imagine the answer is yes, same as today, short term. So the impact it's having today is the impact that it'll have tomorrow. Over the long term, it's really unknown in my mind. Uh, that's because a uh, regulatory environment has yet to really come to bear on uh, cryptocurrency. It's, it's not on their radar yet, although the Federal Reserve Board and, and others are talking about it in terms of creating it. That would be to replace what's out there and to regulate it. Uh, there have been no big failures in the cryptocurrency world. Uh, if there are widespread failures, that will destroy trust for a large group of people. If there's no system that is trusted, regulated, watched over, uh, no oversight, uh, it's impossible to trust, and therefore, how can it have a long-term future? All those questions need to be answered before I could even begin to take a shot at the long-term. I do know that for me, uh, there is no trust, uh, and I would certainly not put my wealth uh, into cryptocurrency. That just makes me an old guy uh, with no sense of trust. I understand that. And to a lot, a lot of you may disagree with that because you're doing very well in that world, and I wish you well as you go forward. Uh, all right, when we look at the entertainment and cruise ship industries, uh, do we have a forecast? No. 
I do not have a forecast for that. I do not expect any kind of cruise ship rebound anytime soon. That's for sure. But if you're old enough, remember the Legionnaire's disease? That Legionnaire's disease really did a number on the industry for a while, but it came back. Enough time goes by, it comes back because it's fun. And so how much time needs to go by this time will be a function of press, media, vaccines, and uh, change in their marketing and, and all kinds of fun things that have to go on. Will it come back? Yeah, I'd say it's going to come back, but I don't know when. Uh, just that it will. Entertainment, I hear that uh, Las Vegas has opened up. I have not checked the numbers, but I hear that they're pretty busy. If I'm wrong on that, I apologize. It would seem that uh, we are willing to risk it for the biscuit. Uh, with 1.7 uh, trillion of new currency, uh, is inflation a concern? Not now, no, not in the next few years, nope. We're on board with the Federal Reserve Board. You're not gonna see them have a lot of need to raise uh, interest rates this year or next. When we get all past that, uh, we'll take another look at it with you, but don't worry about it this year and don't worry about it in 21. Uh, and at this point, uh, not, not much in the way of clouds forming for 22. Next one asked me to explain a statement I made. And uh, if, if I made this statement, I apologize. Uh, please explain my PPP statement that if you don't meet the guidelines, you'll have to pay it all back. That's what Marco Rubio said. And I thought I had mentioned it was Senator Rubio. The reality is um, the Flexibility Act pretty much states that. What was passed by the Congress states that if you don't meet the 60% guideline, uh, it's not a partial forgiveness issue. You have to pay it all back. Um, so uh, according to a strict interpretation, it's all or nothing. You're either going to get all forgiven or you're going to get none of it forgiven. But the SBA has since come out and the Treasury has since come out and said, uh, that's really not what we're meant, and that's not what we want to enforce. So there may be another bill coming along that will clarify this. Uh, the SBA is saying that if you don't meet the requirements uh, to have it all forgiven, uh, then there will be a partial forgiveness. But what is not forgiven must be paid back. It will be converted to a loan, as you say in your question. Uh, so it will be converted, as the SBA said. As is strictly written, the answer is no. Stay tuned. Uh, actual results may vary. Check with your tax attorney uh, or your accountant for details. Uh, as the pandemic was completely predicted and there was even a pandemic office at the National Security Council, uh, how would we call COVID a black swan event? Well, technically you're right. We wouldn't. Uh, and, and I couldn't argue with you because if you can, if some people see it coming, uh, then you're not allowed to call it a, a black swan event. And if you look in your rear view mirror and you can see it coming, you're not allowed to call it a black swan event. So technically you're right. We call it that because it, it is something that people understand that this came out of the blue. That it, how's that for an expression? It really doesn't have a lot of meaning because it came so quickly upon us. And, and the timing uh, to, to have known that it would come in February to, or January that it would start would not be something that we could have predicted. Uh, the same with the uh, oil. In, in, in the strictest terms, that was not a blue swan because there have been political disruptions caused by Saudi Arabia before that have caused this. But the fact that they did it at the worst possible time when it made no sense to do it uh, gives us the, the grounds, we believe, for calling it loosely a black swan. You're right, doesn't meet the technical def definition, but we are trying to get a, a message across. Uh, and I suppose there are also people in official offices predicting uh, pandemics going back decades. So the fact that you predict it year after year after year after year 
uh, and it finally happens, uh, wouldn't mean it's disqualified, but that doesn't mean it's not one heck of a surprise. Do we see the dollar rising or falling in the near term? Slight strengthening, if anything. Uh, the PMIs are going up in Europe and we're going to see industrial production pick up in Europe and in Asia. So there will be no uh, flight away from the dollar or to the dollar. So don't expect a whole lot of change in the near term is how I would look at that. How is the rhetoric and overall negative climate towards China affecting U.S. businesses that export from China? Well, it it's puts pressure on them, of course. Uh, the U.S. goods will find it tougher to sell into China and importers will have, you know, find it less palatable to import from China and there are certain political uh, conditions. So it, it just uh, it creates a more difficult climate for U.S. businesses is the answer to the question. But, uh, you know, you, you're right. You knew that. It's kind of buried in, in your question and I affirm uh, your thought. Railroads were briefly mentioned. Uh, how are the railroads going to fare during the next three years with GDP? Uh, it's a movement of freight issue. I'm not going to comment about the profitability of railroads. Uh, but as far as rail freight goes, um, we're going to see it pick up in 21. It's picking up now. It's 0.9% above year-ago levels when I looked this morning before doing this podcast. And it's going to continue to pick up in 21 and into 22. Well, in 22, it's going to slow down some. And that slowdown is going to extend it to 23. Then later in 23, it picks up again. Uh, basically, you're going to look at the uh, industrial production forecast. You're going to look at the GDP forecast. You're going to look at the retail sales forecast. You're going to get a flavor for the shipment of goods. Uh, you can also Google. Um, uh, the, I showed you the slide. I can't remember the source name down at the bottom right, but you have it as a handout. The one that showed the intermodal shipments activity. Get that data, that's actually in the number of units. Now that's seasonal, so it's hard to see. Make it into a rate of change, and then you get an answer to your question because you then relate that rate of change to your company because uh, it sounds like this is a company-specific question. And then find leading indicators for that intermodal activity. I use it as leading indicator. It may have leading indicators, and that will help you know how it's gonna impact your business. All right, that was the last question. I thank you all for being uh, part of Vistage and we're very happy to be part of the Vistage partnership. It means the world to us here at ITR Economics. Thank you for asking the questions. Thank you for listening all the way through to the end if you did. We appreciate it and we wish you all the best as we go into the future. Thank you, have a great day.